UX Podcast Episode 288. You're listening to UX Podcast, coming to you from Stockholm, Sweden. Helping the UX community explore ideas and share knowledge since 2011. We are your hosts, James Roy Lawson and Pat Axbom. We have listeners in countries and territories all over the world, from Finland to Aruba. And today we have a link show set up for you, uh, in which we have uh, both chosen an article and uh, are going to be uh, sort of summarizing it and arguing about it and seeing if we can uh, come up with some recommendations on how to behave on this strange journey of ours along <laughs> building for the World Wide Web. To, hopefully they will inspire you to think a bit more about the subjects that we find in these articles. Mm. So which two have we got then, Pei? We've got uh, the, uh, on, the, on the blog, uh, Quarter Inch Hole uh, by Lawton Pibus, who is the research manager at UserZoom. The article uh, is called, in parentheses, at least, and then in parentheses, four X's that aren't UX, and why the original is still the best. They just say plus Minecraft robots to this, but I don't know. Is that because is, is it's a newsletter? It's a newsletter, exactly. Ah. So there's there's more stuff in it than just this article. That's, that's okay, right. Okay, so we're not going to talk about Minecraft robots to this. No. Oh, that's, that, now we've lost half the re- listeners. <laughs> And the second article is the one you found, The Struggle of Using Native Emoji on the Web. Uh, yeah. And that's by, by Nolan, Nolan Lawson. Uh, no relation to you, I presume. Nope, not at all. Um, no. Nolan, uh, he is a web developer living in Seattle and um, uh, working for Salesforce, apparently, according to his blog. And his blog is called Read the Tea Leaves. Yeah, nice word tea reference there. So let's just dive right in. Uh, so this article uh, by uh, Lawton is actually about a lot about the word user. And what, he, what he's trying to tell us is that we as an industry and as a profession, we ha- keep having these endless discussions about words and their meanings. And, and the standard example is this, can we have this UX slash UI phrase is that, should we be using that in in job postings? Should we even have it uh, as a term? Uh, And also he's he's sort of criticizing that we all are thinking that the whole industry is new and that we're coming up with new stuff, but really we've been doing all these things since essentially the 40s, even the 30s, I would argue. Uh, And so the criticism often brought forward when it comes to the word user is sort of that it's it's reductive, uh, it's limiting, and it has all these bad connotations of which the, the most common one I think that is brought up is the drugs trade. Hmm. And you're, you're a drugs user. You're exactly. a user. And I, yeah, I, there was um, definitely a phase there where uh, as, a, uh, as an English-speaking country that you did use the word user to, to specifically mean someone who used drugs. Right. Uh, and, and it's interesting that he's actually done his research in here and noticed that the word user has been more common in connection with the technology industry 
than in drug contexts since 1959. Uh, yeah, there's a graph on the blog post. Mm, yeah, mm. Well, he's done. He used Google's um, um, ngram viewer to to do a comparison with um, user plus phone, user plus computer, and user plus drugs. Mm. Um, to see the, um, the the incidence of the words in books um, since 1959, I think mm. is is that resource starts exactly. Uh, so that I, th I found that interesting. I hadn't I hadn't actually expected that. Uh, but as he as he goes on in the article, he's also of course um, trying to figure out uh, quite honestly and with nuance. Uh, how how do we get at? Is there a problem? How do we get at it? And there have been lots of solutions proposed. Uh, no no other person or no, no less than Don Norman actually he's he's called this one of the horrible words that we use in the industry. And he's actually the one who's actually promoted it in the beginning that we started using it. Uh, and there have been all these different words proposed. And one that he says in that quote that uh, is in the article is that we should be using. Uh, the word people. Uh, and what Lawton says about that is that, well, this people doesn't really suggest anything at all about the context in which we study them as UXers, which is interactions within systems. Uh, and there's all, all these other terms as well. And a lot of these terms actually makes it harder to understand what we're talking about, but they also have come with these problems that they can be reductive and limiting and we don't really understand how they pertain to the, the stuff we're building. Interesting. But I mean, if you think about it, what did we have in our intro back in the day? We had balancing business technology and users. Yeah. And we changed what it. we used to say. And we changed it mm. to balancing business technology and people. Mm. Um, so we actually made that change to, to people from, um, from users. Ah, that's a really excellent point because that actually goes on to to allude to what what is the bigger picture that yes we are talking about people and and it's fair for us to use that in the interlude of our our show because we are talking about people who both use the systems and who are affected by systems even when they're not using them mm. uh, but in the context that we're actually building something for a person and we're looking at them as they're using the system we're building they are in fact users and it's hard to to avoid using that term in that specific context absolutely uh, i mean it's, a, it's the same thing as i this morning i i took the train into town mm. so i used public transport i am a user of public transport i can even say i mean i'm drinking a cup of tea now mm. so i'm using a teacup to drink my to hold my tea to drink from i'm a user of a cup i mean we we i suppose we can't we can't get too far away from the fact that we use things. I think so. It's, it's, it's such a common word. It, that made me reflect also as soon as you bring this uh, concept into other languages, because you and I often work in Swedish as well. Mm. And if you translate the word user to what it is, what the Swedish word is anvendare, that has nothing to do with drug use. So it becomes complex if we try to, we, need, we, we find that in English, we need to shift the word, but that would mean that we would, necessarily shift things in other languages as well, perhaps, because English is so influential. Yes, and that, exactly. And that's an important point to remember that some of these debates we have around um, the language and the, the use, the terms that we use for things are deeply rooted in English speaking cultures. And mm. because of the, the dominance of um, American, um, American culture in our 
design world or our English-speaking design world, then, then a lot of these debates are very much rooted in American history or, or English-speaking countries' history, um, which, of course, I mean, doesn't mean to say it doesn't impact the others. Like you say that yeah. the phrases we have in Swedish for, um, like, usability testing um, is, is translated. It has its roots in the English phrase. Exactly. But Swedish didn't have the same use of user to mean a drug user mm. um, adopted into its language. Um, so that particular aspect of it isn't an issue. And this must be the, there must be examples about this in, in all different cultures around the world. Yep. I and mean, we're just using a couple of them as examples. Mm. But, um, you know, some of these debates and, and arguments, there'll be different ones in different countries with different um, problems related to the phrases they're using and different um, contexts around it. Mm. And you have to think about when you, when there are suggestions like using the word actor or agent, those things have completely different connotations to people as well, especially with um, people with uh, English as a second language. It's hard for them to understand, well, that's part of a systems language when you when you draw systems, then perhaps actor or agent is actually used in those contexts more, but not in the user experience space. Yet, very good point when it comes to, exactly, very good point when it comes to um, the language you use internally in our industry to deal with the concepts that we we are working with, and even to to educate and to learn to explore those concepts, so more more related to the academia side of it. Then, mm. I mean, I, I know from talking to we, we talked to in the past people who work in academia, and and agents is something that gets used um, yep. at university level and mm. so on to describe oh agents in a system. Mm. Um, but um, um, outside of that, I mean, we we know how long it took to get. You know, user experience adopted inside many businesses, and we're still not there in many of the businesses. And the understanding of these <laughs> phrases, to um, oh, uh, the, the the those that aren't deeply embedded in our industry mm. is is shallow, um, and they don't have the nuances. And like you say, actor would be quite difficult to understand. And according translating that to Swedish as well, that would be that'd be quite a mouthful if we were using that word. Even more of a mouthful than um, yeah, you have scored a spear there. Yeah, but that that is really actor for for like a Hollywood actor. But you, I guess you have well, actor. I guess there uh, is there is probably an academic word that is more translatable as well. Which I suppose in itself is showing the problem of this. Exactly. Like, you know, direct translation <laughs> again doesn't really work out in other culture. Yeah. And, oh, this problem's endless. And then you have people arguing that we well the CX space. So it's it's customers, not users. But that has all. We all know the issues with that because all people aren't customers, uh, and people the people buying the system may not be the one using it, and some actually don't pay. Are they customers? So, and then we have citizens. Yeah, Yeah. some places, some some Mm -hmm. services that public sector provide will be citizens. So, and sometimes you would argue, well, you you call people for what they are, depending on the context of what you're building. So, if so, for example, if I'm building uh, software for composing music, I may call the users musicians. But still, the word musician in that case and in that example does not really differentiate between any musician or the musicians who use the software. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we're getting very close to the whole thing. We're like, oh, um, this website is used by men. Yeah. Because you, you, you end up pigeonholing and, mm. and stereotyping, mm. making two narrow personas that aren't really kind of useful to us or reflective. Oh, yeah, that's really good achieve. good point as well, that we actually, by choosing the wrong word, we can actually limit who we actually include and think about. 
Yeah. Which which is kind of connected mm. to users, humans, people, and yeah. so on. You're you're creating boundaries around things. Mm. Um, but what is but what is the fundamental problem? What what is it that we have a problem with? Um, I think I think there is. I mean, there, there is a fundamental problem in that we have had this problem in design that oftentimes designers actually do a poor job of seeing users as humans in all their beauty and complexity. But more often, I believe that this is due to like culture and design practice constraints rather than them using the word user. Mm. Not, not, I'm not saying that there may be actual problems with the word user. Uh, but here's what's interesting. And I think where he actually tells us to draw from other uh, professions and industries that have had the similar issues. And he, he talks about um, research psychology where you have guidelines so actually, you're okay to use the word subject, which may also, again, appear, and it's, that's also been debated uh, within, that, within that realm, where, where it seems reductive uh, as well. But it says, the guidelines say, also to, they emphasize, write about the people who participated in your work in a way that acknowledges their contributions and their agency. So mm. it's back to actually just treat treat the people you are uh, working with the people you are working for, the people you are working to help, treat them as people. Yeah. So if you treat them as people, the words you use can be a combination of many different things. But the, 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 the important point is that you get across the message that we care. Yeah, get, the, get across the message you care. And also, I think there's a degree of shared language to this. You know, when you're working in a group or in a team, then you have to. Everyone has to be comfortable with the language you're using and mm. and what that means. Um, and if you have, if you notice or it, it becomes apparent that the term user isn't something that your group feels comfortable with, then they don't feel comfortable with it. Exactly. So, so it becomes academic that we're talking about whether users are kind of good or bad we should use something else if mm. if you're a group of humans who are working together and someone doesn't feel happy or safe or pleased about the fact you're using this um, phrase then that's something you need to discuss and need to feel comfortable with discussing exactly i think that's the, the main takeaway I, uh, I that i want to communicate is really this that you you need to commun communicate with your team with your work uh, with the people in your work uh, force and make sure that you agree on, on language and that everybody is on board with the language. And as you're saying, James, that there is a safe space for, dis safe space for discussing this. So really what I'm saying is because he, uh, at, the, at the top of the article, he was saying that there, we have, keep having these endless discussions. But that does not mean that we don't have discussions. They just don't have to be endless, but they have to be planned out. And you have to accept and acknowledge that people will have problems with words. And that's why we sit down and talk about them. Yeah, it's our and make sure that skills, we, when we work, that we use the words that everybody feels comfortable with. Yeah, it's our empathy skills that we we need to be on be on be on top of the fact that there are others out there, and mm. take note of them. So the second article in today's link show is the struggle of using native emoji on the web um, by Nolan Lawson. As we said in the beginning, he's a web developer from Seattle in America. And this is 
the whole thing with emojis it's um it's really interesting now um the reason one of the reasons why i picked this article to talk about is we as designers a lot of the time we're we're very quick to th- you know be creative throw things into designs and to include stuff in designs um and it's not always that we're so aware of the implications of some of the things that we try to include in our designs. I mean, you pair have talked about this a lot during the years about wanting designers to have more of an understanding of how like HTML5 and CSS and so on work. So they have better conversations with um, developers and designers and, um, you know, getting into accessibility and usability that there are certain things that, oh, it might be easy to do, but maybe you shouldn't do. So there's a mm. lot of aspects of design that's, that's, as we know, isn't just pretty interfaces. Um, and emojis are one of those things that, you know, it, it comes up, it gets included. It's, you know, I can think back to workshops we've done, or we've been part of over the years, various conferences where, you know, you'd be doing a breakout session and you'd be designing something. And it's not unusual that maybe an emoji, emoji would appear somewhere. You, you can, anyone can draw a smiley face kind of thing. So it's kind of sketched on something and, and put it on a post-it note or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, this this article, um, what it's talking about um, is the problems, the complexities of emojis. Now, I love how how nerdy and technical it gets. It's one of our pet peeves is the is uh, how how many designers actually don't like to get into this nerdy tech stuff. But this is, I think, it's important to at least be aware of it and be aware of these types of challenges. As you were saying, that they, we come across these every year. Something that we think is simple as a designer is extremely complex to actually implement in the back end. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And this is this is the underlying point of, the, of why I want to talk about this article. Um, it's fun that it's going to be about emojis, but it's, um, yeah, we, or sometimes we don't go below the surface. And, and, you know, we have developers who are pulling, you know, going gray and pulling their hair out, at trying to fix stuff that we've designed, because we haven't really understood the, the, you know, the security implications, the complexity, the incompatibility, mm-hmm. um, you know, how it works in different devices. And emojis are, are basically a, a fantastic example of, of what a complete mess something actually <laughs> is, um, which, you know, it's surprising to say when you think about how um, commonplace emojis are now and how they seem to be everywhere. But so emojis are, are a standard um, overseen by the unicorn. Um, unicorn? <laughs> Emojis are a standard overseen by the Unicode um, consortium, um, and they they upgrade the um, oh, the emoji um, package, I guess, um, quite regularly, and they have quite you know debates of what to include, and you know you get times where there's more inclusive ones appeared, like um, you know, I think at the end of last year, you um, oh you, there's always new emojis that are coming out. Uh, and included i think we're up to is it emoji 14.0 or something like that i think it's 14 right now yeah yeah um now because these versions and releases of of emojis um not everything works straight away now i remember years ago that i mean you uh, we've always had Android and Apple as our yeah. uh, devices in the ten years or so we've we've been doing this and you know when I when when iPhones first came about um, I couldn't you, know, you just got squares um, mm-hmm. every time someone sends you I mean, like an SMS or anything with a, an emoji in from an iPhone just loads of squares so you end up mm-hmm. kind of being really frustrated that you had no idea what people were saying it was literally like the you know you you you, you could have speaking a different language 
Um, they were. It was a Moji language instead of English <laughs> exactly. or Swedish. Um, a complete blank. Mm. Um, and, and there was there was no way of working out what it was, really. Um, and, and then things move on. So now, generally, on, on the mobiles anyway, most of the time you see most of the emojis. Um, but not all the time, um, even on telephones. Yeah, and all telephones don't update automatically. Exactly. Mm. Um, and, I mean, I, in the article... Um, Nolan does actually go through in wonderful detail and with lots of examples. And when you open up the link, if you click on it, then you'll you'll be able to test. He's done it so that you can actually see and test. And he's, he's used a combination of images and real um, emojis and um, text descriptions of the emojis. So you can you do get a really good um, feel of the problem when you open it up and test it in different places. Mm. Um, but you know, just just to go into some of the the problems that not only are the different releases and versions of emojis which might be supported at, you know to different extents um, at different times, um, different web browsers support different releases depending on how far they've come in implementing stuff. Mm. Um, some web browsers don't natively support them at all, so they're completely reliant on the web page, including a font that includes emojis, or you're hoping that the OS of the device you're using um, actually supports emojis. So to give you an example, um, Windows, the, the, the default emoji package that comes with Windows mm. doesn't include flags. Yeah. So to make a flag display as anything else other than like if we take um, the Swedish flag on Windows, it will come out as SE. Because the native OS doesn't support anything more than just displaying SE. So you have to kind of polyfill that with something else to make it appear as a Swedish flag. And, you know, um, sometimes emojis will turn out as the black and white ones, you know, what you consider to be old emojis, mm. where, you know, they're just the kind of like black outlines of, of things. Um, because that's the thing, is it, because he's, he's really he's going through it all. And, and I'm, I keep thinking that, well, at least there must be some subset. There must be so if you go back far enough, you can actually start using the emojis because then there would be at least like ten or twenty of them that you could use. And he, he's really well possibly. known. No, because like maybe well, possibly just, yes, but Linux, for example, doesn't native support any of them. I don't think. Exactly. I mean, you, you, <laughs> when you boil, when it boils down to it, the kind of the font packages we used to have didn't really include any of these little characters whatsoever. Um, they're all additions. Um, so when you peel it back far enough, there are going to be devices that don't display them. But the, the bigger point here is that a lot of the common situations we find ourselves in still don't support them. I mean, mm. I looked at this article on my tablet last night um, when we're talking about what we're going to discuss. And all the emojis basically displayed correctly. But I've got mm. a very new, I've got a newly updated you know um, version of Android or whatever, and, and the browser's up to date on it and so on. So everything worked fine. I've opened up the same article now in Chrome on my Windows machine, and so many of them broken compared to what they were last night. Mm. The 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 one with the um, you know the very first one that is used as the first test um, in the article that there's a it should be a lotus flower that's available that's seen in the um, opening paragraphs. It's just a square for me mm. um, just now. Um, I also I things... also think it's important to to because I don't I'm, I don't think everybody's aware aware who's listening of how the Unicode characters work and the how some emojis are created because at one point you're actually com combining Unicode characters to create new emojis uh, yes. and he has this great example of uh, the polar bear so ha there is a polar bear emoji 
But to create the polar bear emoji, the code behind that is that actually first the code for bear and then the code for snowflake. And that is displayed as a polar bear if you have updated. If yeah. you have not updated, it's a brown bear and a snowflake. And you have not, yeah. you don't understand why. No, and actually what happened to many... me was I copied from the article, the polar bear, pasted oh. it into my notes and it became a bear and a snowflake. Oh, <laughs> God, yeah. And, and this is really quite common with all these kind of combination mm. ones that have come more recently. Mm. Um, like the other example in the article is a, is a man with red hair, which, yeah. which, turns, which actually breaks down to um, a man plus a floating kind of wig with red hair on it. Mm. Um, and the same thing with like, um, all the skin tone emojis that came. Mm. They're, they're the classic yellow emojis plus some kind of skin tone indication. Mm. So if, if you don't support that, then it comes out as two things as well. So it's, it's, it's wonderfully complex. And even in addition to this, you, it's incredibly problematic to detect if an emoji is broken. Because yeah. that's one of the things you say, okay, it's all right. We'll just, we'll just deal with this. We'll make this better for the user. Huh, user. We'll make it better for the person on the other side of the web page. We'll detect whether or not they can support it or not. And we'll, we'll put something in its place. Like alt text, I guess, um, that we use for, for images. But detecting whether an emoji works or not, it, it's, it's really not that straightforward. And it's quite, it's quite complicated and demanding, even if you want to be partly sure it's going to work. Um, so you're not going to do it basically. Exactly. And so now people are thinking, so how come it works on Facebook, for example? How do, why does it work there? Well, the, the, the answer is that because it's a huge platform and it has lots of money to invest, so they have actually designed their own emoji font. And this brings a whole lot, load of different issues or new issues because lots of big platforms have designed their own emoji fonts, which means that your emoji, when you create it in one platform and send it to another, may not look the same. So if you see it on, on, on an iPhone, copy and paste it to Twitter, it will look differently. Yeah. And this is, this is um, if anyone's ever, and they probably have done, looked at Emojipedia, um, yeah, which is a good, good website to show, mm -hmm. um, to, to give a, descriptions of what emojis are supposed to mean or what they might be interpreted as. Because there's some ones that are a bit kind of, you don't always realize how kind of dodgy some of them are or how they're interpreted in certain cultures. Um, it also tells you um, when they're introduced. Um, but what's also nice with that page is they also show how it looks in all these custom emoji sets that the big platforms have produced. Mm. So they, they'll show how it looks in Apple, Google, uh, maybe on Samsung telephones, on you know, Windows or Microsoft, how it looks in WhatsApp, Twitter, Facebook, mm. um, you know, all these variations. Um, they, they just believe how it looks. And you can see it's it's um, huge variation on, on, about how this looks. One I know I looked at is actually uh, a couple kissing or a couple with a heart. Uh, so that's uh, actually a single Unicode emoji, but on different platforms, it will be more clearly a man and a woman, where on others, that's more ambiguous. So there's actually a decision made about how, how do we actually signify a couple? Does it always have to be a man and a woman? And there have been decisions made on some platforms that we don't always, don't always want to assume. Mm. I want to actually read a little bit from the towards the end of because the article itself doesn't give you any answers. What he what he does is just point out, I guess, the complexity and problems of this, which is also what I wanted to do with it is highlight to everyone out there is that stuff isn't always as straightforward as it looks. Mm. Um, and what he writes is, at a time when web browsers have gained a staggering array of new capabilities, 
including Bluetooth, USB, access to the file system, it's still a struggle to render a smiley face. Mm. It feels a bit odd to argue in 2022 that the web should have emoji support. Yet, mm. here I stand, cap in hand, making my case. Mm. And I, I think that's actually quite a good summary of, of a lot of where we are in, in many aspects of what we do. We've come so far, yet we're only really at the beginning. It's all, it's all so complex still, mm. even though we've achieved so much. Because it's interesting, actually, at the beginning of the article, he, he, he argues that there are potential benefits to this. So what Nolan says is that if, if it actually worked as you would like it to work, and the emojis worked <laughs> uh, when you put them into the page, then you wouldn't have to have a sprite sheet. You wouldn't have to have your own heavy emoji uh, font, uh, which a lot of these big platforms do. And you wouldn't have any image processing, which actually takes a lot of uh, power from from uh, from the computer and from, from for loading these images. Uh, so if it worked as it should, or as you would hope it should, uh, then it would work. So, so that solution of well, can we just do like Facebook? And I think you have to just imagine how much work it is to maintain your own emoji font, designing them all and keeping it updated as new versions of of. Uh, the Unicode emojis are released. <laughs> yeah, is it is it twice a year they update it? Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. It's 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 an investment, and mm. um, yeah. I mean, I oh, I worked on a project where we mm. tried to include emojis, mm. and what we it was a chat system, and we we thought, yeah, of course. I mean, everyone was asking for it, and it seemed a kind of real obvious thing to include. Um, and then we started to look at it, and this is when I first realised kind of how emojis hadn't really come as far as I expected them to have at that point. I, I, I lifted every, every, every time I lifted a little stone, it was like problem, problem. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to get a developer involved to, to help me kind of see if it was as big a problem as it looked like. And yeah, it was impossible because uh, mm -hmm. we had a platform that was not just web-based. It also had an application, uh, Windows application and we, you know, a database is involved and God knows what else. And it was just, um, no, nah, we, we, we buried it. We said, no, we can't do this. Mm. It was just, it was too big an investment. Exactly. Um, so it, it, it got buried in Jira somewhere. I, I was really actually intrigued by this point that he made or this uh, realization that I, had, I, I wasn't aware of that the Unicode consortium, speaking of flags like you were doing before, that the flag emoji on Windows doesn't really exist on 10.11. But the Unicode consortium have themselves come out against the flag emoji so they won't be making any more flag emojis, uh, huh. which means that, and their argument is, well, they don't want to be in this business of educating, educating ge geopolitical boundaries. Uh, and already today you have Wales and Scotland having their own flags in, in, in Unicode, but a lot of other similar territories do not. So there's already yeah. this, this unfairness sort of uh, yeah. around this flag issue. And I know yeah. that there was lots of discussion around the Taiwanese flag. Uh, of course. So it, it, it quick did you think about it's just it's just a small tiny image that we use on our phones, but it quickly becomes very very political and very very sensitive. Yeah, yeah. We've we mentioned as well the skin tone, the skin tone, um, and accessibility, the accessibility. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's, it's there's been a lot of mm. issues and problems mm. with emojis over the mm. years and flags and countries. Mm. The politics to do with it is like when a country changes flag, mm. you know the the demand that. Unicode updates its emoji sets, um, but you can't demand that everyone implements the newest set. So you end up with, yeah, and no, it ends up being broken for, for a long time. 
You know what this reminded me of when I started reading it was, do you remember when you and I started designing web pages and how many colors we were allowed to use? Oh, yeah. 216. Yeah. I'm hoping I'll, this will blow a lot of listeners' minds. We were allowed 216 colors because they were called web safe because monitors back then uh, allowed for 256 colors and some were actually uh, uh, dedicated for the operating system. So one way of ensuring that colors would display similarly was using one of these 216 colors, which didn't really work across the board, which meant there was actually also a list of 20 colors, the 20 web safest colors. So I was sort of hoping that he would end up with the 20, 20 web safe emojis, emojis, uh, but we're not there yet even. (laughs) Uh, No, no, exactly. Yeah, because even the the old school ones, you still, at some point, you need to have a font somewhere. Exactly. You know, and there are going to be platforms that don't have that underlying font. Um, So, yeah, most of us will have a fallback system font that includes quite a few of them. But, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of interesting aspects to this and i think hopefully people will, will pick up on that and be inspired by it that were you know emojis themselves encapsulate the complexity of the web the the challenges of of inclusive design um maintenance um you know backwards compatibility mm. um the importance of testing um it's politics uh, politics <laughs> i think there's so many things involved in this it's it's absolutely mm. wonderful and um, and can be quite nerdy when you get into the details of it as well, mm. which appeals. What to listen to next, James? That's a very good question. And given we spent now half the show talking about emojis, why not give episode 244 a listen? Now, that's a topic show where me and you pair um, spend the entire show talking about icons and pictograms. Mm. Yes, another and the, ner- nerdy show. Another nerdy show, another one highlighting the complexity yeah. of universally understood icons. Exactly. The clue is, there aren't any. Hmm. <laughs> That's a spoiler, isn't it? I shouldn't give the spoilers. No. So this has been one of those shows where we nerd out together, just the two of us. Uh, in a few days, we'll actually be recording an interview again with a, a, a guest who we will not disclose at this moment. Uh, but again, that will be actually recorded in front of a live audience, which we keep doing these days uh, in cooperation with Ambition and Power. Uh, so if you want to check out and learn more about that and actually understand how you also can not just listen to us live, but also uh, learn from people like uh, Kim Goodwin, uh, Chris Nossel, Susan Weinschenk, and I think Christian Krumlisch has now come on board as well as a tutor uh, and myself as well. And oh, so cool. do do check that out uh, on uxpodcast.com forward slash mpower. It's you now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Do you know whatever happened 
to the fried shrimp emoji? I don't know, James. Whatever happened to the fried shrimp emoji? It was temporary. <laughs> Do you know? Oh, Tem that took me Tem a while. Tempura. Tem yeah. Tempura. Temporary. Temporary. Fried shrimp. <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought oh, it was quite so good. Bad. What? No, I thought it was good. 